Good morning. Looks like everybody's doing pretty good this morning. It's great to see you. It's great to be with you. Uh, so we're in this series called, uh, yeah, Peter Pan. Uh, we're in this series called Peter Pan, it, living in a world with no adults. And it's actually taken a turn different than what I had expected. Uh, we, I really w- had in my head, I, I wanted to help you be able to understand that so much of ha- what is happening in our world, the, the situations you're put in, the places that you're put in, that as you try to make decisions and interact with things, you're looking for adults. You're looking for your leaders. You're looking for uh, to navigate things at work. You're looking to navigate things as parents. You're like, okay, where do I look to? And there doesn't seem to be anyone going, listen, what an adult does is he sacrifices his life. He says what, what matters most at the, this moment is not the most important thing. We want to make this decision based on the future. And everything from government debt to moral decisions to what's going to be uh, permitted in our, our culture, there's no adults. But what, what has happened, and I love what has happened, is we've gotten into God's Word, and as we've done that, we, we've begun to discover, wait a minute, what makes us an adult? Which created a question. So what does make you an adult? What causes someone to grow up? Because you're not naturally going to grow up. People don't naturally grow up. You, your culture is not going to demand that you grow up. And we discover that it is that when you accept your role, a God-given role, a role that's been given to you by God, that's defined by God, and that you answer to God, when you've been given that, when you accept that role, with it comes responsibility you begin to grow up. You begin to go, wait a minute, to fulfill this responsibility, I, I'm going to grow up. I, I don't want to say you have to grow up. You don't, you don't, that's not what happens. You don't go, oh man, i got to grow up now. No, you see how precious this is and you begin to, to grow up as you take on that responsibility. But responsibility creates stress. So what about the stress? And that's what we hipped in, into the next week where we found out, wait a minute, so, so this, this idea of, of, of stress, how do we deal with the stress that comes with the responsibility that actually stress comes with the future? Stress comes from how it's going to work its way out. And we discovered our responsibility is to, by faith, out of love for Christ, to obey him. We're responsible for the input. Remember that box? And that box was this question. Is your God trustworthy? Can you If you do what God says, if you do the input, will he take responsibility for the output? Can he be trusted? And we discovered absolutely why. He does not lie. He gave his life for you. He rose from the dead. He's pursuing you. So absolutely. So wait a minute. So I want to know what God says. How do I hear from God? I'm going to be making really big decisions. How do I hear from God? How do I hear from God so that when I'm obeying, when I'm taking that, walking into that big box where I'm going to trust him, how do I know, how do I make these kinds of decisions? Now, I've discovered in my life, uh, very, very practically, that I would love, and I really, I wish it was this way, I would love for this whole process to look like this. So there are a few people that I work with that when they get done with work, 
It, it looks like this. But if you hang out with me and you work with me, you'll find that mine usually look like this. So as we look like this, I want you to think about this. When you come to make decisions in your life, doesn't decision-making look like this? Like, what do I do? There's all these factors. There's all these priorities. There's all these ways that it could work out. How do I know what to do? How do I know what to do? Now, on this one, I know where the beginning is. I know where the end is. If I take that little thing off, I can just whip it out, and it's nice and smooth. This one, where is the beginning? And so you inevitably pull on it. It, it doesn't work. So maybe it's the other end. That doesn't work. It's a mess. Well, today... We're going to teach you four simple steps to deal with decision-making. And if you practice these four steps, your decision-making actually goes from, wow, this is a mess, to, no, this is pretty clear. This is pretty clear how we make these decisions. So let's jump into what the Bible has to say. Uh, we are starting in a passage. It's in uh, Matthew eleven twenty-eight. 28. Ties very much into what we were talking about Last week, as a matter of fact, somebody came up to me afterwards, or I asked somebody in between services, I said, hey, is there anything I missed? He said, listen, you ought, to, you ought to, the passage that really applies to what you're talking about is this passage. He mentioned this passage. And he says, come to me. People, Jesus is talking to a group of followers. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. Now, in our decision-making process, that's the messy chord, Right? You're like, this is, I, 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 this is hard. I've, I've taken on the responsibility. I want to hear from God. I'm not hearing. He says, and I will give you rest. Now, as we jump into this, when we're talking about becoming an adult, we're talking about living and being adults in a world without adults. You are taught over and over again. It doesn't just come from the outside. It comes from the inside. Life is hard. It's gotten too stressful. It's too tough. There's too many tough decisions. I need to rest. And you think that is ceasing from responsibility. That's what vacation is supposed to be. Vacation, the perfect vacation, would be that you could literally take this world, walk out the door, and totally forget this world, and go live and make believe. Right? And never have to think about that. And I'll be so rested when I come back. The problem is you have to walk back into the world. And when you walk back into these doors, all that stuff is still there. Or maybe you think it's physical rest. If I just slept more, I need to sleep. Now, if you only sleep four hours a night, that probably is true. If I just slept more. But what I watch people do is they actually think that rest comes from saying no to the role that God has given you, defined by God, and that you answer to God. You're like, listen, I need to do less of that so I can be rested. Jesus says the opposite. He says, come to me. I'll give you rest. You see, the rest you want, it comes from the inside. It's that I know who I am. I know that I'm loved. I know where I'm headed. My life is not in a garbly goop of cord. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Now this idea of the yoke, 
is that you, uh, the way you train a young either oxen or a horse to be able to pull is you put them with a mature one. And so at first, you just put them in the same yoke, and the mature one does all of the work. The, the young one just walks with them at first. Then they learn how to turn, they learn how to, and then, then as they learn, as they not just watch, but they feel it, they experience it, then they begin to take on more and more and more of the yoke of the, of the responsibility right alongside of this, the older one. Now, this is important. This is important if you ever watch a horse pull. A horse pull, have you ever seen a horse pull? Oh. I'm so sorry, guys. I am, I am so sorry. A horse pull is when two pulling horses, they're usually pretty big, they put oxen on them, they put weight on a bed, and then they pull and they compete. Different teams compete. And then you just put more weight on it and more weight on it and more weight on it. Like, oh, that's mean to the horses. No, 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 no. Once a pulling horse learns to pull, they love it. You put that yoke on them and you begin to, you got to pull them back because they can't wait to pull. They love the role that's been given to them. And when they learn it from the master, they love it more and more. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. Think, think of when someone trains a horse, uh, and you've seen this in movies, right? And they jump on that horse, and they're just like, got that bit, and they're, ah, they're beating that thing, and they're jumping all over the place, and it's, it's a war. Jesus is gentle and humble. There's another way to train a horse. I don't know how to do it. They're called horse whisperers. Jesus is a people whisperer. He has the ability to train you, to teach you. But he does it from a gentle and humble heart. And you will find rest for your souls. That's what you're looking for. You don't need rest on the outside. You need rest on the inside. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. If you are living the Christian life, if you're following Christ and you keep saying to yourself, this is so hard, it's because your cords are all messed up. That's not true, by the way. Being a Christian is so hard. That's not true. He says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. For someone who finds rest in Christ, for someone who learns to pull by learning it from Christ, they love to pull. They love it. So, here's the four steps. We're going to begin to work through them. And here's the idea. I want to be able to hear from God. I, I got to make some big decisions. I need to hear from God. I want to follow Christ. I want to fulfill my responsibility. But that has created a, a, a position where I've got to be able to hear from God so I can obey him. I need to know what to do next. How do I hear from him? I hear, I hear God clearly by, number one, delighting 
in Jesus' forgiveness and acceptance. I hear from God by delighting in Jesus' forgiveness and acceptance. It is everything. It's the base of everything. It's the foundation for everything. But God has given me these roles and responsibilities. i got to go do them. Where are you going to do them from? Are you going to do them from a position that you do not deserve this role that you've been given? It's a gift. Are you going to do them from the position, I don't deserve to know Christ and be able to serve Christ, but he has forgiven me and he accepts me. I am whole the way I am. I don't need to fulfill that responsibility to become whole. This is huge. If you skip this step, you are going to operate from your own strength, not from the strength of Christ, which is gentle, right? Gentle and humble. When I operate from delighting in Jesus' forgiveness of me and acceptance of me, I have nothing to prove. What? You see, what gets really messed up is when I think that God has given me this role and I have to prove I'm a great dad. I have to prove I'm a man to be followed. I have to prove I can do this. I have to prove I am somebody. Your, your cords are messed up. What begins to straighten them out is delighting in Jesus' forgiveness and acceptance. What did he say? I will give you rest. Another passage in John 7 says this, Whoever believes in me, as Scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow with them. Obeying what I know, um, <clears throat> excuse me, obeying what I know of God's word and learning more. This is step number two. That didn't come out too smooth. Step number two is obeying and what I know of God's word and learning more. First step, I start by accepting. That's where I live. Delighting in what God has given me. Number two, now listen, this is really, really important. There's much of the, what Jesus says you do not know. You're going to learn it for the rest of your life. There's much you do not know. And so we tend to say, because I don't know that, I can't obey today. You see, there is much you do know. There is much you already do know. If you want to hear from God, it's not by searching for what you do not know. It's by obeying what you do know. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Jesus replied, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. From where? From love. My Father will love them and they will come, they will come to them and make our home with them. What? How do I hear from God? I obey what I already know. I do what I already know. The first question is, God, what's the answer? That's not the first question. The first is, God, have you accepted and forgiven me? The second is, what do I already know that he's told me to do? Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. The words you hear are not my own. 
They belong to the Father who sent me. How am I going to hear from God? By obeying out of love what I already know. Number three, serving according to God's priorities. Serving according to God's priorities. Now, this, is, this idea of priorities is critical. This is actually something I have a very hard time with. This definition, the understanding of priorities is very difficult for me. Priorities means that number one is most important. So if number two will not allow you to do number one, you don't do number two. You do number one. If number three keeps you from doing number two and number one, you don't do number three. You do them in order of importance. And decision-making becomes quite clear. When I understand that if I am not able to do number one because of number two, then I don't have to worry about number two. Let's get number one done. Now, it usually doesn't work one, two. It usually works one, two, three, four. And number four won't allow me to do number one. So don't do number four. It's pretty easy math. I tend to think, wait a minute, how can I manipulate this? How can I make number one, two, three, and four all happen? Isn't it okay to take a little bit away from number one so I can get number four done? Isn't it okay to jump number two and take care of it later so I can get number five done? Man, do your cords get messed up. Oh my goodness. You can't find the beginning and the end. Serving according to God's priorities. Now, fortunately, the Bible really clear about God's priorities. God comes first. Your relationship with God comes first. Now, when I am in love with someone, it's very easy to make that a priority and ignore God. This past week, people have been, uh, this week, people have been, how are you doing? And, and my answer to this week is, my, I'm doing fantastic. I've been preparing for our next series. And so I read the entire book of uh, Mark pretty much in one setting. Now, interestingly enough, as a pastor, it actually pulls you away from spending time with God. You're spending time doing lots of other things. It actually pulls you away. And so I got to spend time with God. I'm doing good. I am doing good. Well, how come? Because it just, it inspired me. It, it built me up. It was awesome. That's number one. W what do you mean? Well, what am I going to do with my life? What do I need to do with my life? What do I need to get done today? Number one. He comes first. Well, I got all these other things to do. Yeah, but this is really simple. But don't those things have to get done? This comes first. This comes first. Maybe they do have to get done. But I'm doing this first. Number two, my spouse. Number three, my kids. My spouse, as a husband, my job is to protect and provide and cherish my wife in such a way that she blossoms. That's my role. That's what I've accepted from God, defined by God, answered to God. So, spend time with God, love my wife. Now, this might be the best thing you ever hear, guys. If I do those two things, 
Oh, wait. If I accept God's forgiveness and acceptance, I win. My, my cord's starting to straighten out. If I obey what I know to do, I win. That comes even before the priorities. Then, if I spend time with God and I love my wife, it doesn't matter if I succeed as a pastor. It doesn't matter if I succeed as your neighbor. It doesn't matter if I succeed financially. It doesn't matter. How come? Because I practice God's priorities. And when something comes in the way of that and becomes more important than that, I get confused. I can't hear God. I can't hear God. I can't hear God. No, it's not that you can't hear God. It's that you're ignoring him. You have your own set of priorities. And you want God to speak into your priorities. How do I get my priorities done? And you can't hear a thing. It's not that God's not spoken to you. It's that all you hear is... Because you're underwater with your priorities. Spouse, kids, church. He's like, well, I, 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 I don't have a spouse. Or I don't have kids. Good. God, spouse, church. I don't have spouse. I don't have kids. Good. God, church. That's my priorities. Whoa. That, that line's starting to straighten out. He says, for I am gentle and humble in heart. He has not called you to a complicated life. He has actually called you to be gentle and humble in heart. In the book of Ephesians, it gives these priorities. Husbands, love your wives. Fathers, raise your children in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. Build the body of Christ. Your, your purpose on life, in life is to build up the body of Christ. That's his priorities. And you're like, yeah, but what about, uh, I got a career, and I got all of these other things going on, I got, I got all this happening, how do I make all this come together? By operating in this priority. You know what your career is for? Yeah, it's to show that, I, to prove I can do something. It's to show my dad I can do something. I'm not a failure. It's to show other people who said I couldn't do it. It's to make me feel good. Your lines are all messed up. You're not going to be able to hear from God. The purpose of your career is so that you can build the church. You can be an adult to your children and set them up to succeed in life. No, not financially emotionally and spiritually, physically, character. The purpose of your career is to love your wife or to love your husband and to love God. That's what it's there for. Actually, that's the purpose of everything else that makes life so confusing. Should we... Should we I think we should buy a new house, and I think we should, I think it's time for us to be, we've got to have, and we've got, how do you make a decision like that? It's pretty simple. It really is pretty simple. How is that going to help us build a church? How is that going to help us to raise our kids? How is that going to help us 
me to love my spouse, how is that going to help me to love God? Pretty simple. Well, but what about interest rates? <laughs> That's not how you make the decision. Once you see how it does all of those things, then you can talk about interest rates. Number four, sharing Christ with my, in, with my circle of influence. This is your mission. So first, I'm going to accept, I'm going to delight, I'm, a, I'm, I'm, I'm delighted, I'm going to delight in my acceptance and forgiveness. I'm going to obey what I already know. I am going to make my decisions based on the priorities that God has given me. And I understand that the reason I'm on the face of the earth is so I can share Christ with my circle of influence. The mission of my life is to spend time with Jesus and spend time with people so those people can meet Jesus. What did he say? He said, come to me. Come to me. The purpose or the mission of life is to help people come to him. It's what you're about. It's what you're... When you're trying to make decisions, it is the mission of your life. You're being sent out to do that. It's very easy to make your mission your marriage. Did you know that's not your mission? The mission of my life is not my marriage. If you make your marriage the mission of your life, you will make decisions that will put you in a place. It will destroy your mission. You'll become inward. You'll become selfish. It's about us. Did you know your mission is not your kids? By the way, if you have one child, that's an 18-year mission if that's your mission. What are you going to do with the rest of your You're, you're going to grow to 80 years old. One quarter of it is your kids? No. You, that means you, you're going to miss the mission the rest of your life. If you have four kids, you can extend the mission, but... It's still just part of your life. It's not the mission of your life. And, and you know something? If you raise your kids and you miss the mission, you're going to love your kids and you're going to want your kids to know Jesus and you're going to want to set them up to succeed, but they're going to be warped because you never taught them the mission. You never showed them the mission. And so their mission will become something else. And they're going to miss out. And sometimes we think the church is the mission. It's about us. It's about our church. We're the greatest church. You see this all the time. Whenever a church becomes competitive with another church, it's because they think their mission is them. No. The mission is to help people who do not know Jesus, to see Jesus, be loved by Jesus, like, start back to number one, to be able to delight in being forgiven and accepted by Jesus. 
Come to me, you will find rest in your souls. The mission of your life is to help other people find rest in Christ. So we live in a world with no adults, and we live in a world with no adults who are identifying problems in the world, and when they come up with an answer, it creates more problems than the first answer. It's why things are just spinning out of control. It's like you stand up for a, 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 a you, you, you stand up for something that you think is a good, uh, it's something worthwhile, and you, you join a movement, and before long, the movement is actually the problem. Why? Because you forgot your mission. You missed the mission. I want to introduce you to a couple who practice these four principles. They use a little bit different wording, but it's really close to this. And this way you get to see how they practically work it out in their marriage. Um, this is the Ebays. Hi, my name is Kalechi Ebay. I've been coming to Skyline Church for quite some time now. I'm an elder here at the church as well. Um, along with my wife, Katie, I lead the high school ministry here. I lead the boys, of course. Um, I'm also a phys ed teacher here at Bloomfield High School. And we've been living in town as a married couple for about eight years now. Uh, I'm Katie Ebay. I have been going to Skyline for the last decade, actually 12 years now. Um, I am the leader of the high school ministry and I, um, during the week, am the director of academic operations at a high school in Newark. We have been married for the last eight years and together we have two wonderful little kiddos. Uh, Connor is five and Cora is three and that's us. Our decision making process is based on four key principles. The first one being the matter of our priorities. Our first is we put our number one priority in God, and then it's of course in each other, and then that leads and trickles down to how we love our, and lead our children. And then our second um, principle is, uh, what does the Bible say? And sometimes when we're doing decisions, it's very clear what the Bible says about something, and then other times it's not as clear, but we always, as our second principle, go to like, what does the Bible say about this particular thing? And then that leads us to our third principle is whenever there's something that's in doubt or we're hesitant about, we turn back to the Bible. And in Romans 14, 23, it reads, whenever um, you're in doubt, you really question and understand, is this action in love? If this action isn't leading towards loving someone or loving each other, of course, loving God, then we should avoid doing it. When in doubt, don't do it. In doubt, don't do it. And then the fourth is that um, Kalechi is always responsible um, for all decisions that we make. So it doesn't mean that I don't make decisions that is something that we've agreed on or not, but at the end of the day, he is um, fully responsible. So if there's something that the Bible says we could do one or two things, or it's in line with our um, priorities, at the end of the day, he makes the final decision. And his final decision could be that he defaults to me. Like, right, it could be, I don't care what the colors of these walls are, right? There's no biblical principles or whatever, that's my decision, but he is always responsible for whatever that decision is. One of the really cool things about us um, getting married is that we both saw decision-making the same prior to ever knowing each other. And because we went into getting to know each other, and even before we like were officially dating, uh, our dating practices were all biblically based in like getting to know each other, nothing physical, like very much like 
um, where do we see this? And I remember like before we even officially started dating, us having a conversation of like, do we see ourselves getting married someday? We're gonna, we're not even gonna actually officially date unless we see ourselves um, getting married um, because like biblically, we understood like what that commitment um, meant and like there wasn't a purpose of dating if there, we didn't see that down the line. We, uh, of course, lean heavily on the principles and the truths in the Bible, and especially when it comes to parenting, rely on uh, Proverbs 22, where it says, train up a child in the way he should go. And for us, that means character, decision-making, putting other people first. In terms of character, one thing that I really heavily rely on and try to impart it to our kids is you can only control yourself. Like you can't control what your friends are saying or what your friends are doing, what your teacher, your neighbor, you can't really control any of that. All you really can do is control how you respond to it or how you're gonna love these people through that. So with that in mind, emotions, uh, feelings, all those are something that's internal, something that you might not even be in control of. But once again, you can control your action. So when I get my mind set towards, okay, this is what God is saying through this situation, but this is what my parents have taught me and how to respond through this situation and then just living that out. We really believe that it very much matters that the two of us are on the same page and that what we tell our kids and what we have them do um, is biblically based and that we are always like telling them the same thing so that they can always trust what they're hearing. And so what that looks like in practice, if there's a big decision point coming for our kids that we always check in first. And if it's something that isn't a quick conversation or something that we've discussed before, um, the two of us have a monthly um, parent meeting that we do um, the second Friday of every month that we like put ahead on our agenda, like big decisions. So that might be where our kids are going to school um, in the future or something that like has come up that we want to be something that we like make it a firm decision if this is happening. And so we have that meeting every month that we can have those discussions and pull out the Bible and really make um, a firm decision. Having lived here for the vast majority of my life and also having Skyline here and teaching here and, and being so involved in the community here, I knew that it was very important for us as a family to stay within this area. So the thought of leaving Bloomfield or moving out of Bloomfield, of course, it came up, it was discussed, but ultimately it was, it was almost counterproductive to everything that we were doing to leave Bloomfield and then still have to come back into our community. It was better for us as a family to stay in, stay in town. And when we think about like our ministry and raising our kids, we also will never do something that's detrimental to our kids. We very much go back to the priority of um, God first, then our marriage, then our kids, and then our ministry. And so we knew that our ministry, like God had made very clear that our ministry and long-term mission is um, Bloomfield, whether it is the high school kids that he works with on a day-to-day -day basis at Bloomfield High School or in our high school ministry as we started looking at all the options, knowing those principles allowed us to close certain doors. And then as doors started closing, um, it brought us back, it got us to our um, final house, but every step of the way of our different options, it was um, what has God told us about what our ministry and calling is and what are our priorities in our marriage and for our kids. Not getting too caught up in what the world says or what the world does, but instead in, in the face of all that or in spite of all that, we're gonna trust in God. And this is the direction that we're gonna be going. If if others wanna get on board, we can, we can explain and show and share, of course, uh, but this is where we're going. So did you, uh, did you catch that?
Did you, did you catch how they're interacting? Now, for some of you, for some of you, if you have my personality, if you watch that video, you're like, whoa, way too intense. Like, wait, they just write it down. That's what it is, right? They simply write it down. And for others of you, you're perfectionists. And you believe that everything I've talked about today is like, okay, you have to do it perfectly, right? You have to do it perfectly. If you don't do it perfectly, God, he kicks you out. No. No. You do have to do it. And it, it can come a little bit different here and there, right? But you, you do have to do it. And you have to stop telling yourself, I can't hear from God. God doesn't talk to me. That's just not true. I, I, don't, I don't know what he's trying to say. No, that's not true. It's that you didn't go back and make sure that you were clear about your source of joy. You're trying to figure out what to do with your life and you're trying to make decisions and you have not accepted his forgiveness. You've heard about it. But, but you don't live from there. You, you haven't accepted his acceptance. You have not let him make you into a new person. You're still operating from your own selfishness. You're still operating from your own pride. You're still operating from your own priorities. And so you're trying to find joy in some place besides Jesus. So for you, what are you going to do about this? You going to keep doing that? Or would you decide, no, 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 no. Tell me about this forgiveness. Tell me about this acceptance. How do I get that? How do I interact with Jesus that way? Secondly, are you clear about who your master is? Are you crystal clear about your master? That he's the one to be obeyed. For a couple of you, God spoke, he has spoken to you today. And he has, when I said obey what you know, something in your heart went, whoa, I know what that is. And you've been having a conversation with him ever since then, all morning, about whether or not you're going to do that, whether or not you're going to confess that, whether or not you're going to come clean about that, whether or not you're going to take that step that he's asked you to take. What are you going to do? You're going to keep trying to make decisions from that coil, that messed up life? Or will you, this morning, between you and Jesus, Jesus, you are my master. I obey you. And then clear about your priorities. Are you clear? Do you find yourself knowing, no, 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 I know this comes first, this is number two, this is number three, this is number four. And so when I make my decisions, I make my decisions based on being able to do those four things. Would you dare, between you and Jesus, to lay down this other priority that keeps getting in the way? You keep trying to make decisions. You keep trying to hear from Jesus while priority number seven, you keep making number one. Are you clear about it? You're like, I have all four of those priorities. Yeah, but are you clear at what 
that, that you have them in Jesus' order. And then clear about the mission. This, this might be the biggest one for you. You see, you came to Christ because you needed that forgiveness and acceptance. He came to you. He touched your heart. He talked to you. He revealed himself to you. And you said, I, I want that. I need that. And as you've begun to obey him and you've begun to grow in what it means to follow Christ, you're like, yes, I want to do it God's way. I want to obey and you love his priorities because you've, become, you've, you've come to know that, wow, when you live by God's priorities, it, it eliminates a ton of trouble in your life. And you've seen that happen, and you see that your life has improved, but it's still your life. The mission of your life is still you, still your family. Your mission is centered around you and your family, and who you love, and making your life work. Between you and Jesus, would you this morning crucify your mission? Put it on the cross, get rid of it, and accept that the, the mission of your life is to share Jesus with other people. That's the, that's the mission of your career. That's the mission of your family. That's the mission of your church. Between you and Jesus. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, wow. You're incredible. You're not complicated. This thing's not hard. Help us all to put our heads in the yoke this morning and learn how to live forgiven. To learn how to live accepted by you in your grace, something we don't deserve at all. Lord, to take and put our heads in the yoke and obey. Wherever the lead horse goes, that's where I go. However he acts, however he reacts, the way he looks at the world, that's what I'm going to do. What he's asked me to do, that's what I'm going to do. What he says is his commands, that's what I'm going to follow. To, to put our head in the yoke and to live and make our decisions based on your priorities, trusting you for the outcome. Lord Jesus, I, I know for our church, I know this is where we are. It is time for us to raise up an army of missionaries. People who have given their lives to your mission. And, and we're not here to make Skyline the great church. We're here to give our lives to the mission. We are here to go into this community, love these people. This is, this is the, the, the mission of our life. Would, can, you, can you pray this prayer with me? Can you, can you pray what we just said? Can you say that to Jesus yourself? 
Not rely upon me to pray it for you. Not rely upon the church to take care of you. But can you, between you and Jesus, say, today, I put my head, my shoulder to the yoke. I will learn from you, Jesus. I will follow you. Jesus, thank you for inviting us into your amazing life. In your name we pray. Amen.